give safe journey to those that are coming. Give a safe journey as we travel home. Bless each and every one of us that are teaching or singing or bringing glory to your name. Uh, be, let us be your vessels, Father. Empty our bodies of us, our minds, our thoughts, uh, our words, Lord. Let only your thoughts, your, your words come forth. Anoint us, Lord Jesus. Anoint the hearts that are hearing this word, whether it be today or later. Father, however they access it, Lord, let it take root in their hearts and grow and help us to be the men and women of God that we are called to be, warriors, lights, and salt, Father. In your precious and holy name, I give you praise and honor for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So how is everyone today? We kind of live in a crazy world, don't we? ramifications of what it could be for us here on homeland in the USA. So many aspects you can think of. So many things that our world, we just come out of one, two year pandemic issue and now we have to face this. But you know, God said in his word, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So I got to thinking, what does it mean to be a Christian? How is it that we can be the people of God like in Acts? Because I don't know about you, but this world is heading down a very dark and troublesome time. But how can we be the Christians that we're called to be for this time and this period? How can we operate without fear? How can we operate in love? How can we operate in understanding? How can we be Christians in all of this? And so I went to Acts and I started reading in the book of Acts what a Christian looked like at that time. And in, at this time, Jesus had been crucified. His disciples had been scattered. The temple had been rent and tore down. Jesus had resurrected. He had shown himself as proof to the disciples for, if I'm not mistaken, 40 days. He had experiences with them. He ate with them. He talked with them. He fellowshiped with them. He told them things. He encouraged them. He showed them the scars that he had sustained. From his death, his fleshly death. And can you imagine how they felt? All the emotions that were raging in themselves. They had gone from this disappointment that he was dead and he wasn't the Messiah that they thought in the flesh, in the worldly, but he was something greater and something more. That it wasn't just a earthly thing. It was a spiritual thing that manifests on the earth. How is it that we are supposed to be? And, and my, my thoughts immediately went to Acts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where the cloven tongues fell from heaven and they spake in unknown tongues. And Jesus told them, he said, stay in Jerusalem. 
Christians. I'll say that loosely. Try to submit, but they lack obedience. Or they lack they have obedience and they lack submission. And we're talking about attitudes and actions. But the church of that day had both. Why do we struggle with the everyday? Is because we're lacking somewhere along the line. And it's not on Jesus' part. It was done on earth. It was done when he said it is finished. He paid the price. It was paid in full. He rose. He took the, the keys from death, hell, and the grave when he rose. The enemy had no more power. He took back what Adam had lost in the garden, all the authority and the power, and it actually gave us the ability to be eternal with God, not in the flesh that you see now, but in the spiritual, in our souls. I read this wonderful thing on Facebook this morning, and it talked about all the things that happen once you die. Your body's going to be here. Your stuff's going to be sold. Things are going to be done. You're going to be dressed for one more time. You're going to be done this and this and this because you don't need anything that's here. All you need is your soul. That's what's going to the next realm. And yet we see people dying all around us without God. All the games, all the violence, all the mistreatment, all the sin that's in this world. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a Christian who makes a difference in my world, whether it be on this platform or another platform or in every facet of my life. I want people to see hope and joy and peace and love and long-suffering. That's the hard part. And patience, those are even harder parts. But all of this is the work of the Holy Spirit, which lives already in you. You have all those fruit, all that fruit. It's just one Holy Spirit. We're all baptized in His death, and we're all in called into one Spirit. It's all one thing. But many of us lack the power of the Holy Spirit simply because, not that He's powerless, because we fail to submit and be obedient. And that's something that the early church had. They had several things. Let's read Acts 1. And I want to start at 2. It says, Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen. First thing, they were called apostles, which means to a messenger, somebody sent. You can't sit at home and expect to be a sent apostle of God. You should be disciples. And that's a whole different thing. A disciple is someone who takes the teachings and not only lives by it and agrees with it, but changes his or her life to conform to that teaching. We have a lot of people call themselves Christians. We have very few that are actually disciples of Christ. He said, whom have he had chosen? You are chosen. John 15 and 16 says... You didn't choose me. I chose you. You are chosen. You are chosen from the day that he put you on this earth. He put things in you that are needed. But he didn't take away your free will. You can choose to 
to walk that, or you can choose to live life in your own way, according to the flesh, as we call it, self-will. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Again, they're looking in natural senses, the temporal. God's always looking at the bigger picture. He's looking at not just the the tunnel vision that we have as, as Christians, as humans. He sees something more. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time or the season which the Father hath put in his power, in his own power, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world, of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel also say, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heavens? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you in heaven, into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And then they returned unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, and Sabbath day travel. And when they were come in, they went up into the upper room. Where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew and James the son of Atheus and Simon Zealous and Judas, the brother of James, different Judas. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. compare that to our lives today. I want you to look at your life and and see if there is an area that you're lacking. And this message is not meant to shame you, to embarrass you, to condemn you. As with all brokenness that God allows in our lives, it is meant to strengthen us. It is meant to empower Paul, who experienced so much brokenness that his life, I would not, don't even think I could live his life, in and out of prison, beaten, shipwrecked. I mean, 2 Corinthians talks about it. But yet he says, in my weakness, I am strong. He is strong. Paul, the one that had a thorn in the flesh, as the Bible calls it, that God refused to take away because he knew that if he did, he would become so prideful that he would not be an instrument usable by God. 
don't look at the hard lessons, or as the scripture says, the meat of the word, and think that it is to condemn you or to bring you down and depress you. No, 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 my friend. You look at brokenness the wrong way. You've got to look at brokenness in God's eyes. Brokenness means that I'm fixing this part so that you can be better and you can help strengthen the others. Peter is a great example of brokenness. Peter was the one that jumped out of the boat in faith and he got part of the way there and he took his eyes off God and he looked around and he starts to sink and he yells out for Jesus to help him and he bends down he says oh you of little faith read it Peter the one who denied him when the cock crowed three times oh I don't know him standing in the courtyard and Jesus is in on trial, and Jesus turns and looks at him when he said it the third time because he had told Peter what would happen. Peter, who said, You are the Son of God. And Jesus said, On your on this rock, I will build my within a sentence. He's saying, Oh no, Lord, you will not have to die. Jesus is telling him about how he's gonna have to die. And Jesus turns and looks at him and says, and rebukes the devil looks at Peter and rebukes him for speaking against what God had sent him to do. Get thee behind me. Peter was a good example of this brokenness, of this working of the Holy Spirit. And they didn't even have it at that time, not in the fashion that we have. But there is what the Word of God does. Look at him. He gave them a commandment to be apostles, to go and wait. That's your calling, to be an apostle, to be the messenger. How am I a messenger? You can be a messenger just by your actions, by your reactions, by your words, or what you don't do. People read into that. They read into it in many ways, usually by their own experiences their own disappointments. You don't even have to say a word. And people can look at you and decide whether you're a disciple of Christ or not. You you set the example by reading the word, by talking the word, by singing the word, by being joyful, by being peaceful in times that aren't. You are an apostle in many ways. But you're apostle sent to take the message He says you are chosen. He had chosen them. You are chosen. John 15 and 16 says, You didn't choose me. I chose you. The prophet, he told, I formed you. I sent you here. I chose you then. Then you were chosen. Your mother's womb. They are told to go. Well, this whole thing, you see that they're spending time with God. Are you spending time with God? And I'm not just saying pick up your phone and read the scripture of the day. I'm saying spend time with God. Learn about Him. Read about Him. Talk to Him. Have relationship with Him. 2 Timothy 5, 2 and 15 says, Study to show thyself approved. Just because you don't get up here and preach on Sunday morning doesn't mean that you're not showing yourself approved every day of the week on the job, on the phone, around your family, to your 
listening to God? Listen to God. Do you have conversation with God? Or is it all about me? Boom, boom, boom. This is what I need. This is what's wrong. Why is this happening, Lord? It's okay to do those things. But do you sit and listen for the answer? Do you listen for the Holy Spirit to prompt a response to you? That's God speaking to you. We'll go to um, Psalms 46. different things. They could have been out there telling the good news. But he said, wait 
what faith it takes to be a Christian. Because none of it makes sense in the natural, does it? None of it does. I can look at my own life and see so many things where I waited, not always in the right attitude, and I'm not talking in a Christian attitude, and I was blessed with something so much greater because I didn't go ahead in my own plans. My husband is the first example I can come up with. He wasn't the first man to ever propose to me. Mm -mm. But I waited because it didn't. It just wasn't right. So I waited. And God sent the right man at the right time. Had not been for him, I would shudder to think where I would be, and I'm sure it would be in a grave somewhere. The right man. He's a godly man. Even though he wasn't godly at the time, he is a godly man. He had the right background, the right upbringing. He had a heart for God. Even though at the time we married, we were neither one in church. But we had both been brought up in church. We had like interests as far as the church world goes. We were raised in the same uh, beliefs. He called me a preacher way before I decided to even speak those words. Actually, I would tell him to shut his mouth. He saw things. He has a wisdom that I just am astonished at. At his age, that's one of the things I loved about him. Even though he was only 24 when we met, he had this wisdom about him, this maturity that I, I loved and needed, obviously. God knew what I needed. Have faith. Just because God's telling you to do this or do without this or don't do this, I know sometimes it's painful and it's hard, but there's something greater, something better for you. And you may not even see it right away. It may take years. It may take years. There was years that I wanted to take that man's life. There was a couple times I had the opportunity to and chose not to for one reason or another. I mean, we've not had a perfect marriage, not by any means. He's more perfect than I am, but Lord help him. He's the saint in the family. Puts up with me every day. Have faith in God. Walk by faith. Submitted to his will and his plan. We've already talked about that. James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. We like to quote that scripture, resist the devil, and he will flee. No, baby, there's a submission there. There's a submission. If you look at Matthew 4 and the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, first thing he tempted him about was his identity. Who are you? If you be the Son of Man, change this bread, this stone to bread. He's coming after your identity second thing he wanted you to do was tempt God. Throw yourself down, he said. Because, and the enemy even quoted scripture and said, because he places angels, gives angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Oh, the enemy knows the word. But Jesus said, you tempt not God. And the third thing was, took him to the high mountain and showed him everything that the world had to offer. Everything that he could give him. All the power and majesty on the earth. 
said, bow down and serve me. And look what you have for us. The enemy just wants to slay you. You may think you're out there having fun, doing it your way, and it's working out. But let me tell you, baby, it won't be long before that chain gets yanked and you realize that you are bound by what you thought you had chose freely to do. Submit. Submit to his will, to his plan for their lives. These men were in it to win it. They weren't playing no games. Trusted. They trusted him. Even though he said, go and do it, and it didn't make sense, and wait for me. They trusted him. After all they had seen and experienced, you think, oh, well, I don't have that kind of trust because I've not seen him raised from the dead and put down, put to death. And uh, Baby, you have. You can look at your life, I guarantee you, and you can see where he's brought you from to where you are now. How he has blessed your life and he's moved in ways and things that maybe you've not even recognized until after the fact. You've seen the power of God in your family, in your children, in your mothers and fathers and your grandmothers. How he's made a way when there was no way. How he's healed when there was no way. Tell me you have not seen the power of God working in this world, in the lives of those. And then if you go to the second chapter of Acts, you see where the Holy Spirit comes and they were on all one accord. We have to be in union with God. I put the scripture on the Facebook page today. It says that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus here on earth, everywhere. And baby, that happens even now because in the name of Jesus, Peter healed. He said, Silver and gold have I none to give you, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And then he helped the man up. It's on into Acts 3 or 4, after the Holy Spirit had fallen on him. Peter goes out and he's talking and he's preaching. As soon as the Holy Spirit fell and they come out of the upper room and people are going to hearing their own languages being spoke, but knowing that these men don't know their language. Peter immediately, with the boldness of the Holy Spirit that gives you, stepped out and started preaching the word. Tell me, what do you take a knee to? Do you take a knee to your self-will? To what you see in this world? Are you a slave to that? What do you bow to? Do you want to be a Christian? That powerful? A lot of us walk around here and we wonder why we have no power. Maybe you look at yourself. Compare yourself to the Word of God. There is lacking somewhere. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you I'm perfect because Lord knows I am not. I have no heaven, no hell, no power to give you save what Christ has done for me. In Joel 2 and 28 and Acts 2 and 17, it is said that in the last
your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams and your young man will have visions. This is what a child of God looks like. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with having dreams and visions, revelations, prophesying, speaking in tongues. If it comes from the Holy Spirit through God, it can't be taught. It can't be encouraged. Actually, the Bible says that you should you should uh, seek after the gifts of God. It's okay to seek after pursue it. It's First Corinthians fourteen and one. It says, "Pursue love and desire the spiritual gifts." When I was growing up, we prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't know that we hear much of that anymore. But that's the power. But what God has told me, He says, "Why we don't see that nowadays is because no one wants to submit and be obedient anymore." The Holy Baptism of the Holy Spirit is is an immersion. It's a letting go of yourself and what you desire and giving it all to Him and saying, Here I am, Lord. Fill me with your power and your love. It's a willingness to be broken. It's a willingness to bow down to the name of Jesus and give Him lordship in your life. Pursue love and chase after the spiritual gifts. And how you do that? You do that through prayer and supplication. That was the other thing that the disciples had. They went in the room, they shut themselves up in prayer and supplication until God's promise, Jesus' promises were filled. We don't see people praying every day, do we? We don't hear about that. We just get up, we go about our days, we say a dry prayer on the way to work if we do that. Definitely don't get in the Word maybe until bedtime and then fall asleep before we uh, said two scriptures, looked at two scriptures. Where's the power in that? Supplication is, uh, it's a humbleness. It's a surrender. Supplication is similar to prayer, but it's not, some people would call it begging, but it's, it's a heart thing. It's a hum- humbling to yourself, knowing that God is all-powerful and He will do what He says He's going to do. There's many different ways you can say Prayer, we know we, we put our petitions before the Lord. We thank Him. That's praise and, and thanksgiving. That's the other thing they had in the upper room that we don't have, and they had unity. They were all in one accord. In this place, we need unity. With God, you need unity. With Christ, you need unity. Your members, you're already at war with your flesh and your spirit. There's something you deal with every day. But when you unify or bind with Christ and get Christ-like-minded, the two of you can bind any strong man, whatever the strong man is in your life. A lot of times, it's my flesh my busyness. It's distracting from the enemy's tactics. Whatever it is in your life, pursue God. 
pursue love. Pursue the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Patience, love, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. But also, compare yourself to the apostles. What kind of Christian are you going to be in this day? We already have war. Who's to say it won't spill over in our own soul? Who's to say? We need an army. We need light in this world. We need salt in this world. We need people that show there is a better way. I, I have no doubt that this is the end time. Possibly in my lifetime, I will see it. I've heard it my whole life. But I'm watching the scriptures. 